us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. by the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Supernatural influence that you have. Lord, we submit ourselves to your great purpose. Today, Father, we thank you that you're at work, you're active, you are alive. I thank you that you're alive. I thank you that we're not alone. Thank you that you're present. We thank you, Lord, that presence leads us into greater dimensions of incredible life. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 You can be seated. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Yeah. Uh-huh. Look at y'all. Nice to be here this morning. Really nice to be here. Wow. What a, what a crazy weekend I had. I want to thank uh, everybody who prayed and cared and uh, so much and sent um, notes and emails and um, all of the different ways that you communicated to us. We feel incredibly, incredibly loved. Uh, I had been preparing for the week, throughout the week on, on uh, the breath of God and never anticipated that, that I would be a metaphor for that. And uh, it becomes incredibly important when you don't have it. Breath's a fairly important thing and um, so so on Thursday night we um, I spent the evening in in the emergency ward and just so grateful for the the entire medical system um, it's it, it's it's really really amazing and um, but what happened was um, in in the emergency room you get all the really crazy people who have just you know taken an axe in the head or or something, right? They're just coming off of fentanyl or something. And it's just, it was just so crazy for me. And um, so, so, you know, they're taking tests and tubes are plugged in and whatever. And, um, but I realized that uh, if I'm going to sleep, I'm going to have to figure out a way to, s- to stop the craziness. And so in a moment of sheer br- brilliance, I, I took one of those uh, little gloves that they have in the wall, and I ripped off the thumb and forefinger, rolled them up, put them on my ears, and then draped the rest of the glove across my eyes, and I was good for about two and a half or three hours. I worked perfect. MacGyver, move over. <laughs> so anyway, I had a, um, uh, it's a, I don't want to tell you all the, the, everything that happened, but um, I mean, I don't mind telling you, but that's not why I'm here. Um, I invited more people to church uh, last weekend than I have in years. Those, uh, those, those guys in the ER, they ask you, what do you do? So I tell them. And then, and then said, you need to come to church. And so um, I don't know if anybody's here from, from that particular, this weekend, but I invited lots of people to church. I really believe this is the place of encounter. This is the place of transformation. That, that it's in places like this that that lives and hearts and minds get completely changed. 
And so, um, so I really am a, a, a big believer in, in church. And, um, and so I wanna thank everybody for your, your prayers and your patience. And, um, and I have learned an incredible amount of things uh, some of which is practical this morning, others of which are just, I'm just working out. And so it's my privilege to preach to you again, probably from sort of the similar text of uh, uh, Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37. And I want to talk about the processes of God or um, a, as my topic or, or how, uh, how a promise comes to pass in our life. And there's a process in the promises of God and so that's what I want to talk about. I, some of, many have heard um, this too shall pass. What they don't tell you is it may pass like a kidney stone, and and maybe a little maybe a little longer, a little more painful than you planned on. But uh, but so far, getting through difficult days, I'm 100%. I get through them, and you have too. We make it through, and that's part of what I think is the resurrection life of Christ within us, is that we don't stay down that we get back up. You're, you're not done until you're done. If you can get back up again, you get back up. And the, and the, and the function of faith in our life is, is that it gives us not just the gumption and the grace gives us the power, but the motivation comes at, usually at times when you think, I wonder if there's anything left. You grab onto something that you maybe didn't have before and you rise up and you get up and you get going. And so, um, so I believe that the that faith requires a corresponding action. It can't be just a declaration. It has to be, you have to have an action that's connected with your faith. And that's why the Bible says um, in, in James 2.22 that without, um, that, that faith without a work or without an action is actually dead. And so I've had to act when I haven't felt like acting and, uh, and God meets us in, in our acting. So let, let's just take our Bibles and turn to uh, Ezekiel chapter 36 and seven. And, um, and while you're turning there, I didn't put this on the Sky Bible, but this is, this is essentially the, the, the working out of this text this morning in chapter, in chapter uh, one of Second Peter, verse one, it says, as you know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. He's called us to receive his own glory and goodness. And by that same mighty power, he has given us all of his rich and wonderful promises. He has promised that you will escape the decadence all around you caused by evil desires and that you will share in his divine nature. The New King James says that these great and precious promises, uh, that through them you become partakers of his divine nature. So, so you, when we come to faith in Christ, he puts his nature in us. Uh, one of the, the, the New Testament term for that is zoe, a God quality of life. And so, so when we get this quality of life poured into us, uh, it's through drawing upon the promises and living out the promises that we get to share in his divine nature. So in Ezekiel chapter 36, it, it talks about these promises that he has for his people, but the promises were not fulfilled yet. So you and I live in this anticipation of, of, of the promises of God being fulfilled in our lives. And we're at different stages of those being fulfilled. And so, so th this to me is, is we need to understand what is God trying to do? He's trying to work out his nature within us. And he gives us promises that are part of our inheritance, but we have to work them out. 
One of the biggest lies, I think, is that if God wants something to happen, it's just going to happen. That's not true. (laughs) I understand he's in charge generally. But in order for us to be partakers in his promises, we have to do something. We can't be a passive people. We need to at times, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 8 says, there's actually a time for war. We need to embrace some model, some paradigm of warfare where we don't just roll over and give up, but we actually contend and war and and, 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 and build within us a supernatural strength that draws these promises into our current reality. So, so I love that we've, we've been, we're talking about, we're talking about hope and hope positions us. First John three says that as we wait for Christ, he says, he says that actually if you have this hope of anticipating Christ's coming, it'll actually purify you. He said anybody who has this hope purifies himself. It's like an antiseptic as we, as we anticipate the coming of Christ. Uh, Titus two and verse 13 says that we look for a blessed hope. So, so how does this, here, here is the thing that's been busting out inside of me because, because there, are, there are the times and the seasons of God. There's a, season to, there's a season to war and there's a season to rest. Season to plant and a season to harvest. There are seasons in God and we have to understand and know that the times and the seasons, they're, they're, they're different words. The, the two words you're probably quite familiar with in, in the Bible around time are chronos time and kairos time. Chronos time is just the measurement of time. It's just, a, it's just an amount of time. But the kairos time is a strategic time. And so here's what happens that you and I, we just kind of put in time. That's called chronos. Maybe this morning you're just showing up. Day after day, week after, you're just showing up. But then there comes a specific moment where a door opens that's called a Kairos time. And it's at those times that your greatest warfare takes place. Because if the enemy can steal your Kairos time, he'll take you around, you'll end up going around the mountain one more time. Just listen closely because this is important for us to understand that in our life, there are very specific strategic times. And there is moments when a door will open up for you to receive something. And if you don't receive it at that moment, you may not, you, you don't want to miss your moment. Jesus came at a very specific time. It was called the fullness of time. Our, our days, we just put in our days. But then there's moments where you, come, where you get to and you go, I better, I better take this opportunity. If I miss this opportunity, I'm going to miss what God is doing and saying. This this morning is one of the most powerful moments because I'm looking at this little life, Micah's life, I'm thinking, there's my future youth pastor right there. But here's what will take place, is there will become times in his life where he's going to have to make a specific decision to keep on keeping on. And there'll be options that the enemy will put in front of him. If you were to, if you were to look at your life, you would see that there was very specific time. Conception is a very strategic time. Birth is a strategic time. There's a time when you move from infancy into childhood, very strategic time. One of the most strategic times is when you move from childhood into teenage years. 
really strategic time. You miss that little transaction, you, may, you end up staying a teenager for the next 30 years. You need to learn to accept responsibility and say, right, there's a point that comes there. And then there comes a point later on where you, where you get, somewhere in there there's an age of accountability where you get the opportunity to accept Christ on your own, not your father's faith, but your own faith. Very strategic. And then there's a time when you get to be filled with the Holy Spirit or not. Time to go public with your faith or not. And then there's a time when you get to accept your calling or your destiny or not. Those are the times, those opportune, strategic, kairos times are the specific times when the enemy has a little, it seems like they're a little bit more strategic because they're transition times in, from one season into another. Maybe you know exactly where you're at right now. You know what time you're in. You know that you're in an in in-between time, that you're just coming out of a season or just going into a season. Those are the times when we need to get the word of God and, and, and draw upon its life and hold on to it until it comes to pass. Really strategic times. Kronos and Kairos. Um, so let's just have a look at this picture once again in Ezekiel chapter 37. Because the Lord had made some promises that he wanted to fulfill in Ezekiel 36. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you back into the land. I'm going to plant you in the land. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to do this. Verse 37 says, of 36, this is what the Lord says. Uh, I'm ready to hear these prayers. I'm ready to grant their requests. I'll multiply them as sacred flocks in Jerusalem. The ruined cities will, will, will be crowded with people once more, and everyone will know that I am the Lord. And then the Lord took me up and was carried away by the Spirit to a valley filled with bones. He led me around among the old dry bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground. And then he asked me, son of man, can these bones live again? What a question. What a question. I love the question that he asked him. He, he takes him, uh, this is some place uh, in Persia, a dusty old uh, desert. And, um, and he takes him and gives him a picture of desolation. And then he asks him this question, will these bones live again? This is where hope gets birthed in our hearts when we either get to accept the vision of God for our future. Can these bones live again? Because they once lived. Can these bones live again? And then he goes through about four steps. When a promise of God is on the line, there's probably about four steps, give or take, one or two. But you're gonna have to first of all ask that question. Can these bones live again? Because we're coming to, at the end, he, he talks about opening graves. This is about the resurrection power of God. So, so I ask the question, what happened to this army? What happened to them? Why are they dry and dusty and disconnected? What, what happened? I don't know if that, that's just a natural question for me. I go, can they live again? Well, what happened to them in the first place? Why are they dry and dusty and why are they scattered across a desert floor? He's, I think he's putting some of his heart into Ezekiel. Saying, do, do you get my heart? I want to see this army rise up again. He starts to put some hope in him. And I'm not sure that the way he answered the question necessarily facilitates that or not, but he says, only you know. But Ezekiel's about to prophesy. 
because it's one of the most powerful things that you can learn to do in your season of dryness is prophesy. That's just speaking the word of God over your situation. That's what it is. Learning to, learning to speak. And, and so when I think about this, what, whatever happened to him and, and what took place, um, and, I, and I don't know if you see the same thing, but when I look at the dry bones, I think of the church. And I just want to prophesy to the scattered and the dry and the dead bones of the church. That's what I want to do. I want to speak to them dry bones. And the beautiful thing is that Ezekiel didn't just identify the problem. Yeah, yeah, dead, dry, dusty, bleached out, pathetic looking bones. He got, he got the word of the Lord and began to speak the word of the Lord over those bones. And to his surprise, something started to happen. So what happens? Why did they end up? I love the, the, I wonder what happened. I wonder why they ended up disconnected and dry. Let me, let me submit something to you today. In, in Psalm 23, it says that here's what happens, how we end up in the valley of death. There's three specific things will put you in a valley of death. He said, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Fear will put you in a dusty, dry desert. It'll paralyze you. Fear, fear is simply negative faith. Everybody has faith. You've all been given a measure of faith. If you use it negatively, it becomes fear. If you use it positively, it becomes faith. So fear will put you in a desert. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me. Isolation and disconnectedness will put you in a, a, a dry valley. When you disconnect from the people that God's called you to connect with, you get isolated and you become a target of the enemy. We need to stay connected and we're meant to live in community. When God has put you together with a certain group of people, he's put you together with a certain spouse, a certain family, he's connected you with a support group, you fight for them because they're your lifeline. When we disconnect, we end up in valleys of, of despair and desert. And the third reason we end up in a, in a desert, he says that thy rod and thy staff will comfort me. If we become unteachable, we end up in dry deserts. If you're unteachable, you're as far as you're gonna get in life right now. If you can't be taught. Those are three primary reasons I believe that we end up in deserts. So let me share a bit what, what took place here because he says in verse four, then he said, then uh, he said to me, speak to these bones. Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. I like that. I've had to, I, I've had to speak to my bones this week. Maybe your bones are awesome. Mine weren't. And I had to speak to them. You might think that's a little bit odd, but when it comes right down to it, our bodies are waiting for instructions from us. I spoke to my bones. Um, here's what I want to share about, and I probably shared it last week, I can't remember exactly, but, but when I think of the kingdom of God, and I think of the laws, the king, kingdom laws, this is what's really been ministering to me recently, is that there are the kingdom dynamics, that, that the laws of the kingdom are absolute, and it's up to you to apply them. You don't have to agree with them, but they're absolute. They always work 100% of the time. When God made, when he made creation, when he spoke into creation, he put laws in place. We ignore them to our peril. 
So, so I'm learning about the laws of God. It's, it's not easy to argue with the law of gravity. You're not going to win. You, you, can, you can say, I don't believe it. And you'll end up with broken bones, not dry bones. You'll be f- flying along at 600 miles an hour and say, you know this law of gravity, I'm not big on that. I'm just going to step on out of here. Uh-huh. Well, you, and who gets blamed for our stupidity in those moments? It's a law. It's a law. Just work with it. It's absolute. It works 100% of the time. It's working right now. You maybe don't even know it. I'm, I'm very often as a teenager try to defy it to my peril. It's always working. The law of gravity is always at work. There's many other laws. Um, there's no neutrality and there's no discrimination. The laws work for believers and non-believers. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but you'll find that people uh, who may not be uh, professed Christians, they're, they're exercising the laws of the kingdom and life is working awesome for them because they're indiscriminate. Reigns on the just and the unjust. Yeah, yeah, you're awesome and God loves you and aren't you just as unique as a little snowflake and amen. But... At the end of the day, if you, if you disregard the laws and you ignore the laws, it will be to your peril. Are you, are you, because they're in place. So, so one of the, one of those laws I think is the power of our words. That our, that our words are seeds and the processes of God begin to work in this world when we begin to sow seeds of our words. That's, I ask the question, God, why didn't you just prophesy to the bones? Why'd you need Ezekiel? Because he's given that authority to you and I. You and I now have, he, he puts the breath in you and he puts the word in you and he wants you now to speak it. You speak to your situation. You speak to that relationship. You speak to your finances. He's put the breath in you to speak. Speak his words. And they begin a process of life. They will work for you or against you. You don't expect to get healing in an environment of negativity. I I find that, that many people have figured out, oh, being generous is awesome. And being stingy isn't so great. And I find many believers who are stingy. And they're wondering, why isn't God blessing me? Well, because you're stingy. You're, you're, you're disrupting a law of the kingdom, that we're to be generous. It's that simple. And I find actually many people in the world are much more open to kingdom principles. Jesus said, it's your traditions actually have nullified my word. It's a a wild thought. Kingdom laws. Okay, let me just just talk just a tad more about that. Um, Romans chapter 7, verse 20. For it says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Did you know there's a law of sin and death that's at work right now? I don't know if you know this or not. This is a, this is a phenomenal revelation to me. Is that you can do something sinful and stupid and you go, hey, nothing happened. No, no, something's happening. Death has begun. A, a process of death has begun because the word of God is true. So we think, oh, we got away with that. No, no, you, you think you got away with it, but it's actually a process that you've just simply planted a seed and now that's gonna come bring forth in your life if you consistently function in that behavior, if you keep going down that road, 
it's going to produce death because that's what sin does. Right? Now, sin's not an issue with God because he's forgiven it all. But it's an issue with us because it works death in us. That's what it does. So you think you got away with it, but no, no, no. You just planted a seed. Just wait. Harvest time is coming. We, that's what, this, is, this is amazing. When it, say, it says in James how that when sin gets conceived, what's that mean? Oh, it just gets conceived. No baby yet, just conception. This is the process of God. And this is how it works. And there's going to be seed time and there's going to be harvest time. And you think you get away with it and all of a sudden you show up one day and you go, gosh, why, is, why am I so, so at distance with my wife? Well, because you've been sowing into that and you, it's not her fault. It's because of what you've been sowing. Are you with me? I, this, is, this, is, this is a kingdom principle. Either work with it or don't work with it. You can ignore it or deny it. But I'm saying that the word of God is true. That's what I'm saying. All right, so, so these kingdom principles and laws. Uh, laws are an authorized pattern by God by which things simply happen. It's just a process. It's just a, sim, a system. Uh, every, and they were given to us for a positive reason to bring and sustain life. That's why they've been put in place. When not applied, they bring death. When they're applied right, they bring life. And they're always absolute. Only, there's only time that you can devi- defy a law is if there's a higher law at work. So sometimes, you, so you understand that, yeah, gravity, right, what goes up must come down, but there's another law of thrust and aerodynamics which is simply a higher law. And so God spoke about higher laws. So I'm talking about the laws. And one of the great laws that I don't want us to ignore is the law of the power of your words. Most of us have heard this over and over again, that life and death are in the power of, the, of our tongue. But it says actually definitively, it seems like the only measure of spirituality that we're given in the New Testament is found in James where it says, who is that man who's spiritual? The one that can bridle his tongue. It seems to be. We can, we can bluff everything else. We can show up at church and raise our hands and give and go to the mission field. We can do all that. But can you control your tongue? So, so there's no in-between. It's either life or death. That's what it is. There's not a, a, an in-between zone. So what happens when a, a promise is about to be fulfilled, it requires our effort and our work. And you and I need to, if we're going to bring to pass the promises of God and tap into this divine nature, it's going to take a little bit of work. We have to understand that one of the laws that's at work is our speech, our words. And he says, you need to speak. Why didn't he just like go and make it all happen? Because this law is at work and it's absolute. So he says, I want you to speak. Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to breathe into you, make you live again. I'm going to put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I'll put my breath within you. This, is, this term is the Ruach of God, the Holy Spirit. This is what Adam was, was breathed upon, and he got the Spirit of God within him. I'm going, to, I'm going to put breath into you, and you're going to come to life, and you'll know that I am the Lord. I love the positive declaration that he's putting there. This is what's going to happen. And, and in, many times in our situation, we have to tell, speak to those situations and tell them, here's how it's going to go. So I spoke just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. I think he was surprised. Hey, it works. I think he was surprised. Suddenly, hey, just as I was speaking, whoa. 
See, what happens is that your promise is coming to pass at the speed of your confession. It's not gonna, it's not gonna just happen. You let, sitting in your, in your sweatpants watching Oprah. You're gonna have to do something to make it work. Are you, do you understand? I was, I was feeling a little bit under the weather the other day and I looked and I go, man, I, wh- whatever happened to my biceps? <laughs> so here's a natural thing to do, right? Just ask the Lord for some biceps. Well, what's he gonna say to me to do? <laughs> Get a membership at a gym or something. He's gonna, right? How's he gonna build your biceps? Not by prayer. How's he gonna bring the promises to pass? You gotta get into gear and pop that clutch. That's what we gotta do. He's asking us this. So why is that important? Because every prophecy has, is, is conditional by nature. It's not gonna just happen. If you said, if you just pray, say, God, I need you to heal me. Well, he's already done that in Christ. The work's all done. And what are you gonna do to appropriate your healing? Say, God, I need you to pay some bills. What's he going to say to you? Get a job. Right? Budget. That's what he's going to say, right? I know this is 101, but it's new for me, and I want to remind us that he waits for us to speak. And he begins to speak, and as he speaks, so here's what happens. He gets a vision. What could be? That's called hope. What could our future look like? You got to, so man, was I ever busy seeing myself playing with my grandkids, outrunning that little, those guys. But I could, right? But I had to have that thing on, walking down with a little oxygen thing. But, but, but right, so that was my reality. But that's, that's where I was. That's not where I was going. I went to sleep believing that I was going to get mouth-to-mouth resuscitation from the Holy Spirit. And I woke up two times saying, did it happen? I was expecting him to fill my lungs with the breath of heaven. I prophesied that a thousand times. And I'm still prophesying it. Because my lungs need a breath from heaven. I need the ruach of God within me. I need the breath within me. I need him to fill my lungs. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to wait for just sit around waiting. I'm going to declare it. Lord, the breath of heaven is within my lungs. There is no disease and there is no virus. There's no inflammation and there's no blockage within my lungs. Breathe upon me, Holy Spirit. I have unlimited breath. I'm telling you things you already know. I know. But, but the, the purposes of God are not automatic. We have, there, we have to have a paradigm for warfare. If your promises are gonna come to pass, he can begin to give you a vision, but he's gonna require you to say and do something. So he says that suddenly it's a surprise. Then the bones of each body came together, attached themselves. And then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed and then skin formed to cover them, but there was still no breath. And so what did he do after that? He didn't prophesy for the bones to come together. He just asked for the breath. And as our, as our promises are being fulfilled, you don't have to go right back to the beginning. You just got to go to the part that's missing. And you just go back and can't, but you don't stop. That's like wrestling a grizzly bear. You don't stop when you're tired. You stop when he's tired. You just don't stop. And so he says, then he said to me, so speak then to the winds. I wonder why I didn't say that right at the beginning. I don't know, but I think it's part of the process. So then you call upon the breath. Speak to the winds. This is what the Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. I don't even know exactly what that means, but I've said it a thousand times. I don't know what it means, but it doesn't matter. I'm using the word of the Lord. And he said, um, 
the four winds, breathe on these dead bones. Breathe into these dead lungs, O oh God, so that they might live again. They might breathe again like a 14-year-old. So I spoke as he commanded, and the winds entered the body. Can you see it? And they began to breathe. Love it. And they all came to life and stood on their feet in a great army. But here's what happened at the end of that. It says, then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent people. And they're saying we've become old and dry and all our hope is gone. So the first thing they said once they got the breath was they complained about their past. Here's what, here's what happens on the way to your promise. There'll be some issues from your past that you're gonna need to resolve. So we're still dry, we're still, and our hope is lost, our hope is gone. No, no, you, you, I, if I were, if I were that, that army with breath in my lungs, I go, so, man, what could be better? I've just got the breath of God, we're all together, there's muscle and sinew, and we're all kind of rattling around like, could anything be better? They had unresolved issues in their past. This is still, we feel like we're still in the valley. So then the Father says, so the Spirit of the Lord said, give him this message. I just love this. Oh, my people, I'm going to open your graves of exile and cause you to rise up again. He prophesies now to their destiny. This is, a, this is the resurrection power of God. I'm going to open up graves. I don't know if there's things that seem dead for you, but there's one who opens up graves. One of our enemies is death. I don't know if you know that or not. One of our enemies is death. And it continues to be an enemy. I gotta speak to that grave. I'm gonna open those graves. I'm gonna cause you to rise again. And then I'll bring you back into Israel. When this happens, my people, you will know. This word know is yada. It's not just know like I know Donald Trump. It's know like I know my wife. It's intimate information. It's intimate that's shared by only the two of us. No, no, I know her. Like nobody else knows. And she knows me like nobody else knows me. You might know me as your pastor, but she knows me on a different level. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what yada, it means. It means then you will know, huh? know by a deed. You'll know by what has happened. You will know by experience. I hope that you know Jesus Christ. But when you know him on another, there's other levels to know him on that are much more personal and much more intimate and much, they, 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 they reveal so much more of what he's like. And that's why the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Because there's no end of knowing what, who, who he's like and what he's like. So this is amazing to me. Um, uh, um, 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 breath without hope. Um, so here we go. Last point. How long do you want to be in your desert? I'll show you, that, this, this, this is... Not really rhetorical, but kind of, like don't answer. Not, you know, grunt or nod, or you can say something if you want. When you look at, you look at wildernesses in scripture, two stand out to me. When the children of Israel, 40 years. Jesus, 40 days. What's, what's it gonna be? Is it gonna be 40 years or 40 days? We get to choose, you know that? When you're just about done in the desert and you're just ready to shake that dust off your feet, off those sandals, when you're done, when, by the time you're about done, the clock's about to click over into your new season. When you're, when you're when you, like in your heart, if you're just laying there and say, well, whatever. Well, welcome to the wilderness. But here's what did start to happen to me. The doctor said, I think tomorrow you can go home. And that night I was up. And I said, Father, we've been so close. I'm not sure if I want to leave this room because it's too sacred for me. 
I actually became quite comfortable with my little wilderness. So this is too precious. The things that he has shared with me, I wasn't sure if I wanted to leave. So then it became a bit of a wrestling match for me. And I felt a little bit like Jacob. I'm not leaving here until I get what I came here to get. You, so he came in the next morning, doctor wanted to release me, and I said, I'm not sure if I wanna go. Because I'm not quite to the bottom of why I'm here yet. It wasn't that I didn't wanna go home, it wasn't that I didn't, but, but I, it was a wrestling match for me, because I hadn't got, I hadn't got, I didn't feel I'd got the blessing that, that out of this whole, whole, whole experience that I needed. So I wrestled with that for a little while. This, this pattern, um, what happens in the wilderness, if we're not careful, one of, the, one of the things, first of all, discouragement can happen, hopelessness can happen, but one of the, one of the, one of the most demonic things that takes place in a wilderness, I think, is self-pity. Because self-pity reflects on the loss, not on what's the gain. I think, I think self-pity is a demonic power, actually because it just keeps us back in that old cycle, that old, and just pull, right? It has no momentum to pull us forward. Self-pity is dangerous, destructive. Well, 40 years or 40 days, we have to speak, use the words that have been given us. Use the, the words that he's placed in his, uh, the scriptures that he's placed within our hearts. And then he says at the end, when this happens, then you will know that I am the Lord and you will see that I have done everything just as I promised. That's all I got to share this morning. God's promise, no, listen, be, be very careful in accusing God of not fulfilling his promises. Be very careful. Because I think that it's not for lack of his desire to bless us. It's our unwillingness to war for our promises. A man with information is always at the mercy of a man with some experience. And once you've had an intimate encounter with the living Christ, and once you, once you know that you've been touched by his hand, once you know his love, once you know his provision, and once you know his, this fresh power that he offers, once you've had an encounter like that, no amount of information is up for exchange for that because you have had a yada, you now know something. Here's what I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't really that crazy about these last week, but now I know some things that can't be taken away from me. The Bible says that you will know the truth and the truth is said to you, not that you've heard the truth, but no, but you'll know it. That's the truth that'll liberate you. If you're not functioning within those laws, by default, you're functioning in the other laws. If I'm not functioning in the laws of health, by default, I'll be functioning in the laws of unhealth. If I'm not functioning in the laws of faith, by default, I'll just be functioning in the laws of fear. But they always are at work. Um, why don't we just stand together and let me just ask the Holy Spirit how to wrap this up. Just thinking about this rattle. The rattle, the rattle, it seems like he heard the rattle. It's like there was evidence of that promise being fulfilled, but it wasn't fully fulfilled yet. It's just a rattle. Father, I just thank you for uh, 
your incredible faithfulness in my life. I thank you that what you've begun in me, you will finish with my agreement. I thank you, Lord, that you never give up on us. Thank you that you want us to have both a hope and a future. So I prophesy over the deserts in here today that they would live again. I prophesy over the dead bones that seem disjointed. I prophesy to the breath, calling the four winds, come and breathe on this body where there's dust and dryness and disconnectedness, where there's been resistance and rebellion, where there's been unteachableness. Holy Spirit, come and breathe, I pray. Your breath, God would just breathe once again. People that feel lonely and desolate and discouraged. I wanna pray for them this morning. There's about six people I'd like to pray for that need a break out of their desert today. I guess there could be more. Spirit of God, I just thank you for your genuine care for your body. Lord, I pray for people who are not sure if you're good or not, who are not sure whether you're angry or not, whether they're not sure if you're gonna fulfill your promise or not. Lord, I speak to those spaces and I declare hope once again. Lord, for those who are breathing and upright and just about to their resurrection, I pray for those, Lord, who are, still have a few unsolved issues of their past, that you would give them courage to go there and not be ashamed or afraid. Thank you that you make us brave. Father, I thank you for a healthy army, that this is a people, Lord, right here that are not afraid to fight, but we need you to teach us, Lord, how to fight strategically and not just wear ourselves out. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would teach us to war, how to bend bows, Lord, that you teach our hands to war. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to show us supernatural strategies in these days and we could be that people of hope that you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, I've said a lot of things this morning, but I do want to pray for people in deserts. And I want to, uh, so if you feel you've been in a wilderness, in a desert, I'd like to pray for you this morning. So if you could just come on up right now, I'll, I want to pray with you. Father, I thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is so powerful and it can separate soul and spirit. So Lord, I just declare over this body great hope, great life, great provision in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Through those doors walk hopeful people filled with the purposes of God. God bless you. You're released. Go have an awesome week. This message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.